prayer. What is it? You know, it's amazing to me because when we're thinking about the subject of prayer, prayer distinguishes us really from the animal world. How many have ever been guilty of asking a dog to speak? Raise your hand. You know, it's amazing to me because when you talk to an animal and you ask them to speak, if they did, you would just kind of go see a doctor or something. But we know that animals can't speak. I'll say, yeah, yeah, he spoke. He went, that's called barking. And dogs don't have babies, they have puppies, okay? Just in case you were wondering. But it distinguishes us from the animal world that we can pray. I thought about how important it is that we can we can leave this earth for a while. We don't have to take drugs or drink alcohol. We can leave and go talk to our Lord. Years ago, I was in a pickup truck with a really good friend of mine. His name is Manuel Canales. They call him Manifold because he worked on cars all the time. And he started crying when I was talking to him. And he said, last night I had to get up in my father's lap and just talk to him. I thought, wow, that's really real. That he would be humble enough to to say that he had to actually get up into his father's lap and speak to him. I think it's interesting when we're talking about prayer because there are many people that try to explain it. Prayer is asking. That's what John R. Wright wrote a book called Prayer is Asking. I got to see him back in the 1980s, um, 1981. And he was on the platform. John R. Rice was speaking about prayer. That's the only sermon I've ever heard him preach live. And he was going over how many times he bowed his, he bowed his head and prayed for things, and then he would give the answer that God answered his prayer. God answered his prayer. God answered his prayer. Sometimes when we talk about prayer, we, we kind of write down the word acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication. We follow that as far as the rule is concerned. We try to enter into a, our Father, how wonderful you are. You are my God. You are our God. We lift our hearts to you. We pray toward him. We, we do this adoration thing. And we confess. We're so thankful also that we want to go to the Lord and thank, be thankful for things that he's given to us. And sometimes we are broken in our prayers. We feel the sense of God to where we become tearful in our prayers. And we become more real and honest before him. And I can't help but think that if we're looking at this passage and we're talking about prayer... There's so much that we can learn, but I, I, first of all, want to talk to you about the pattern of prayer. The pattern of prayer is found in verses 1 through 4. 
and in this particular pattern of prayer, I really believe there is much to be said concerning not only the time and the place, but Jesus is our model of prayer. So we look at the Lord and Him coming from heaven to earth, and He had such connection with the Father in heaven, but yet He took time to pray. And if Jesus took time to pray, don't you think His disciples need to take time to pray? There's something in you that desires to communicate with God. And by the way, communication works both ways. You can read his book, the Bible, and that's how he talks to you. When you pray, you can talk to him. And sometimes we say, well, I'm praying all day long. I'm walking as I pray. I'm, I'm asking God to help this person. I always pray before meals, and I never really cease praying. But I really believe that what this Bible is talking about in, in, in Luke chapter 11 is really how we ought to find a, a time and a place to, to enter into the presence of God. I was going through a real difficult time back in the 80s. I'd come back from Lebanon, and then we went for some more training up at Fort Lee in West Virginia. And I remember getting out of the squad bay and walking down to the main office areas. They were just a couple of buildings, probably built in the 1940s or 50s, out of wood. Seems like everything has to be big and beautiful today as far as office space, but the Marine Corps usually got things that were secondhand. We were at Fort Lee because Fort means Army, Camp means Marines, if you haven't known that already. But there was a big rock there, and I would get up about dawn, and I would walk all the way to that rock. Someday I want to visit Camp Lee, uh, Fort Lee, sorry about that, Fort, sorry Army guys, but Fort Lee, I would, I would like to go there someday and go back to that spot where I would actually spend time with the Lord. I think it's important for us to do that. I, I think it's important for me someday to be able to go down to Milwaukee Street and knock on their door down here in McFarland and say, can I just use your basement for a moment? And, and go down into there, I take a quick left, and then another left into a small room. It's called my father's den, my dad's den. And I walk in there, and to the left, as you go in even, there's a little small closet, and I had a little chair I sat in when I was seven years old, and I asked Jesus to save me. I prayed there. I think we need a specific place to go pray. I like the barn. And sometimes I'll just drive up there and when no one's watching and go into the end of the barn and go up into the hayloft and just get on my knees before God and pray and meet Him. We all have access to God if you've been born again. You can enter into his throne room. It's it's a serious thing. I I really believe because of the model of prayer, if you would, or the pattern that's actually here in the first few verses, it says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, so specifically a, a place that he chose to go pray, that when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples, maybe this particular disciple was listening to the groans that were going on. Maybe he heard the words. I don't know if it was outside or if it was out loud or if it was inward. I'm not sure how the Lord was praying, but I'm, I'm certain the disciple watched him as he prayed and said, teach us to do that. For some reason, there seems to be an element of power and strength with you, Lord. And you seem to get it through prayer. 
I was just talking to one of my boys yesterday, and he was going through a situation. I said, this may sound like a cliche, and I'm the pastor dad, but you need to pray. Take it to the Lord. And if husband and wives are having difficulties, perhaps not understanding each other, then maybe it would be a best thing to do is for you to pray with your wife. Pray with your husband. And take him by the hand and then enter into the presence of the Lord. But he's actually here saying, teach us. The disciple wants to know more. And he said unto him, when you pray, and here's the model or the pattern, if you would, say, our Father which art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven and so in earth. It just seems like the Lord Jesus Christ is saying in his prayer, when you, when you pray, make sure you are praying to yield. And so I really think that prayer is yielding to God. And I believe that it's important for us to yield to him. I really believe that prayer is necessary for us to be able to prove that we are yielded to God. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Romans. And let's just go over there just for a moment. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. Many of you are familiar with this passage because we're dealing with uh, really truly understanding what it means to be crucified with Christ. And Paul is explaining to the church at Rome, he's explaining to them that in order to be able to to really walk with God, there needs to be a full surrender. He's going and talking about the flesh. Look at verse number 12. And by the way, if you do um, circle in your Bible, I would circle the word yield here. This particular word, word yield here is mentioned five times from verse 12 all the way down to verse number 20, 23. The word yield is mentioned. Now, let me just show, share with you, before I read it, that that word yield in the, in the Greek language is, is the word present. Remember Romans chapter 12 when he said, present your bodies there, a living sacrifice. It's the same word for, for yield here. As it is there, it's present, present, or here we could actually use the word present. And I, I, the only reason why I think the commentator, or the, 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 the translators actually would write out the word yield here is because it seems like it's an easier thing to do re, uh, habitually is yield to him. When I was growing up, we had a man that trained dogs. I can remember walking out and seeing him, and he would constantly yell to his dog, yield. 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 And that dog would come right to the side. And I think if we get to the place where we understand, I, I, want, I want God's presence with me, and I want to be able to have my prayers answered, then maybe it's time to yield. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe, maybe we've not been praying the way that the Lord Jesus Christ was instructing them to pray. Look at, the, look at the 12th verse, if you would. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God, as though that there are... Uh, yield yourselves unto God... As those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. I think really that somebody who would actually say, I can go ahead and do all this stuff because I'm living underneath the grace of God, you have a warped concept of grace. Yeah. Grace gives us the power to yield. 
and to live godly in this present world. But look at verse number 16. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants are you are to, to whom you obey, whether the sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thank, thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart and from the doctrine. So you have the emotion and the intellect right there. I think it's important for us to understand that many times we are following in this life, uh, we're following life in a way intellectually and emotionally, but we're not really following the Lord with our wills. We kind of hold back somewhat. I think this is what it's talking about, which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. And I speak after the manner when of men because of the infirmity of your faith, for as you have yielded your members' servants unto uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants in righteousness unto holiness. And so the Bible is basically telling us that we need to yield to God. And I really believe what the Lord Jesus Christ was doing in his prayer time is he was yielding to the Father. I think it was a pattern with him. I don't think it was just the one time where he said, not my will, but thine, O Lord. I think he was saying that the whole time he was here. Because you know what? Being here on this earth is not very fun. The Lord Jesus Christ knows that. Because if you are conservative, and if you are a conservative, fundamental Christian, you're looked at as being nuts. This world does not receive truth very well. They like to be lied to. They like to be tricked into comfort rather than having the true sense of comfort from above. And so when we're talking about prayer, we're talking about yielding to God. It's important for us to understand here where he's saying that, to give us then, first thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it is so so on earth. So give us day by day our daily bread. So if you do mark in your Bible, you could actually circle give us. Verse number four, give us, um, is that is indebted to us. The word us is there. The latter part of it, and then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. So there's another one, deliver us. So give us, forgive us, those that are indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So it seems like it's inclusive when, it's, when you're praying to the Father. You're, you're dealing with not just you, because it doesn't seem like this is a selfish prayer. It seems like it's a prayer that's actually focused on what needs to be. And that's that God's will would be done. And so I think it's important for us to understand a little more practical understanding here, that first of all, we see the pattern of prayer. And so we need to yield to the Lord. And the communication works two ways. Let me just talk to you a little bit about the pattern of prayer. I think the, it's interesting because of the pattern. I want to get into the practice. And the practice of prayer is interesting. Excuse me for, for having verbal dyslexia this morning. But it's interesting because he's talking here, I really believe, about the practice of it. And I want to give it to you in three areas. I want to help you understand prayer a little bit more because sometimes we pray this way. There's the first kind of prayer is, is, is hazy prayer, if we can use that term, hazy prayer. It's kind of confusing, if you would. 
And sometimes we enter into prayer that way. Do you communicate with others the same way you communicate to God? It's interesting because sometimes when you're talking to someone, having a conversation, you're really wondering what they're getting at. You know what I mean? I mean, you're talking to them, you're thinking, where did that come from? You know, because what we're doing is we're actually speaking to somebody and we're thinking about something else, and so we're bringing things into the conversation that this person here doesn't have any, any knowledge of what's going on in the brain, and sometimes we can talk to God that way if we're not careful. I would call them confused prayers, hazy prayers, prayer that really doesn't make sense, and sometimes when we communicate to people, it doesn't really make sense. Sometimes when people communicate, they kind of beat around the bush, if you would. You ever heard of that term? Beat around the bush? You know, and again, that's a medieval term used to, to beat in the bush. They would take a sticks and they would try to push out the rabbits. It was for hunters, so a hunter's term. Go ahead and beat around the bush. You know, don't, don't stick anything into there because then you might poke the eye out of the rabbit, but go ahead and beat around it and let it, it'll fly out and I'll get him with my 12 gauge as he tries to get away. That's beating around the bush and sometimes people are like that. They just keep fluffing everything up, you know, beating around the bush. And I don't think that God wants us to do that. I think God wants us to go directly to him and be specific in our prayer. And I think we ought to be specific. It's interesting as he's giving us really the understanding of practice here by giving us um, a parable, if you would. Let's look at it for just a little bit because we're talking about, first of all, the pattern of of prayer is in verses 1 through 4. But look at at 5 through 8. This is really the, the practice of prayer. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend... And shall go unto him at midnight, and saying unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is, is in his journey, and is coming to me, and, and I having nothing to set before him. So you can imagine the dilemma. This individual doesn't have any food. He got a phone call or a text from his friend. And his friend said he's in the area. He's going to come over. And spend some time with them. And so he says, okay, that's fine, great. I'm going to go next door, and I'm going to get some bread uh, from my neighbor. And what's interesting about it was that the request of the person asking for it was specific, wasn't it? Wasn't he? Look what it says. It was specific. It says, friend, lend me three loaves. So I, I'm going to actually have to have three loaves of bread in order to be able to accomplish this task. Because and Jesus is teaching this to his disciples. He's teaching them through this parable. What meaneth this? Look at verse number six. For a friend of mine is in a journey and has come to me and have nothing to set before him. And from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed and I cannot rise and give. Listen, I already tucked them in. I'm in my bathrobe. I have my slippers off. I'm not going to be able to come and take care of this need because we're already turned in for the night. This request of the neighbor is actually going to somebody who has actually already watched the evening news and they're in bed and they're going, I'm going to get some sleep. And then they got a knock on the door because there was a need. And there was a need by some individual that maybe didn't have as much as the other person but he's coming now and requesting that he would actually get three loaves from the neighbor. And because a friend has come on his journey and I had nothing to set before him, 
For he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, and I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, through, though he will not rise and give him bread, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Pretty powerful passage. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching his disciples that this particular individual, and remember the Lord Jesus Christ knows everything, and so he already knows the condition of his neighbor. He he knows the one neighbor is in great need. He also knows that the other one that is turned in for the night, and he's saying, you know what? That particular individual is going to meet his need not because he's his friend. I'm going to get up because I love you and you're my friend. I'm going to get up and, and take care of the three loaves thing, okay? because I love you. You're my neighbor. You're my friend. Didn't do that because of it. He did it because of his importunity. It's a pretty big word. That particular word is only mentioned once in the Bible right here. But what does it mean, importunity? And it's interesting because there's a lot of people that have comments on that particular word. I actually dug into the Spanish Bible a little bit through Brother Alfredo and I said, what does this word mean? Importunity. He looked it up. And we came to the conclusion that this particular word is talking about because of the helplessness of the neighbor and his constant asking and consistent urgency was able to get up and take care of the need because the guy kept knocking at his door. He kept knocking and asking constantly. But I also believe that this particular story was being mentioned because the Lord Jesus Christ was basically commending him, if you would, that here's a real true prayer warrior. Somebody who would actually get up at night and, and, and have a need and go to the individual and keep on it and keep asking and keep asking and keep asking until he gets what he's been asking for. And I think it's sometimes, if we're not careful... We cannot just have hazy prayers, but we'll have crazy prayers. We live in a crazy world, don't we? I think sometimes we have to ask the Lord, Father, give me a sound mind now. Sometimes crazy prayers would be, Lord, I just wish you would help me to be comfortable. That's crazy praying. I think we'll be comfortable during the millennium, dear friend. But until then, there's going to be times of discomfort. Times of difficulty. Isn't that what self-medication does? You try to make yourself too comfortable. Isn't that what happens to us if we're not careful and we can enter into a non-reality condition and just sit there in a chair and not do anything but take drugs or drink alcohol? God, help us. Help us to realize that if a person like that is going to pray for maybe a selfish thing, that's a crazy prayer. Unless they're praying to repent. Unless they get to their knees and they say, Oh God, I need you. I'm a mess. Would you help me? I honestly believe the greatest thing we can do with anybody is help them with the will of God for their life. I honestly believe that. 
And I really think it's important for us to help people learn how to pray and learn to pray. Specifically, in a place with not the crazy talk, like, Lord, I really wish I could get a Cadillac instead of, you know. God will give you exactly, really, what you desired because he's promised to give us the desires of our heart. If our ways delight in him, he'll take care of us. If you're a disobedient child of God, maybe that's why the blessings aren't coming. Because you still haven't understood that obedience is what God can bless. And there are people all around you trying to help you to, to obey him, to obey God, to take that step of obedience. And then he will bless you. Interesting as we think about this passage, because he's talking about these crazy prayers that would actually come out and pray selfishly. But what is my frame of mind when I pray? I think that's where the sound mind comes in, because if we're full of fear, we're not, we don't have a sound mind. If we're full of fear, we don't have the love that we need. Sometimes people get all agitated and fearful, and then they can't really relax and let God speak to them. God wants us to be of a sound mind. He said, I don't have any strength. I don't have the power I need. Try praying. Try fasting and praying. And you'll see God will help you and he'll strengthen you and you will have power above your fellows. You will be content. You will smile more. You will be at peace with God if you take the time to pray. The frame of mind living in a crazy world. So what is my mindset when I pray? I think there needs to be a deep reverence when we pray. Having a reverence for God pushes away craziness. Having a reverence for God, having a childlike faith, and then, of course, praying in the Spirit for others, there is this need. I, I just wish you would give me some bread so that I can give my friend something because he's, he's traveling. I know he's going to be hungry, but I, and I need something because, because he needs help. I think when it comes to God giving us what we need, we can share it with others. As he provides for us. But I think, first of all, there's that pattern of prayer, and then there's the practice of prayer. I want you to see the promise of prayer. The promise of prayer is so powerful. Because it, it says in verse number 9, And I, I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asks, receives. And he that seeks, finds. And he that knocks, it shall be opened. Look at the verbs in here. And this is where an act of prayer will actually seek the Lord earnestly and with passion. Remember what the Bible says in James chapter 5, verse number 16? It says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so we do have times where we have hazy prayers. Nobody really knows what we're asking. We're just kind of beating around the bush if we're not careful. Oh, we can pray crazy prayers because they're all filled with us. I need this. I need this. You need to do this, God. You ever pray with someone that wants to direct God around? I remember being in the office one time. An evangelist came in. He's from up the road a little ways. And he came in here and he was demanding God. I said, I want to get away from this person. You don't demand God. 
God will give to you if you humble and have a a deep reverence toward him and remember to first confess your sin and ask him to cover you with his blood. And as you enter into his throne room, you can enter in boldly, but graciously ask him for something. So they can be hazy and they can be crazy, but they also can be lazy prayers. And we pray, you know, I just, you know, appreciate people that are diligent. When I see somebody active, I'm thinking that's my kind of person. I'm just going to give the illustration. I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to. We, we cut a tree down yesterday. But it would have been really easy because of the forecast to say, no, rain's coming. Yes. So we were texting on Friday. Friday night I was speaking to the RU and I texting back and forth with, with Mike Talley. He's going to help cut this tree down. And basically I helped him cut it down. So he did it. I just watched. But interesting when you think about this because... I said, he said to me, we got to watch the forecast. You think we can do it? Question mark. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. Because sometimes the forecast guy lies. And if I was going just by the forecast, I'd have still been in bed at 7 o'clock on Saturday morning. But I needed a reason to get up and get at it. And I appreciate that. Someone saying, we can do this. And we can do it in two hours if we really push it. Now, we had a lot of time yesterday, and you that know, it actually didn't start raining until right around 11 or maybe even later than that. And so we were able to get everything accomplished. Well, we got a little wet at the end, didn't we, Brother Mike? But it's okay, because sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll say, oh, there's a lion in the street. Yes. You know? Well, I can't do that, because you know, sometimes we can be really lazy as Christians. I don't think Christians should ever be lazy I don't think anybody should ever say, well, he's a Christian, but man, is he lazy. That's not right, folks. We should be diligent. Oh, what carefulness it wrought in me. That word is diligence, it wrought in me. When I repented, I began to use my days until I pass away, be as fervent as I can for the Master's use. And say, Lord, there's going to be times when I go through valleys and difficulties and I'm not as sharp as I used to be and I'm not as strong as I used to be, but I'm going to continue to be faithful until I die and be strong. And I think when we go to prayer, we ought to do it with great fervency. When we go to pray, we should just, you know, remember that God gives us that power and that strength. I think it's also mapped out, if we can look at a few places, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 15. Let's look over at Matthew 15. Here's a few other illustrations. Beginning in verse number 21. And then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. Matthew 15, verse 21, and that's, of course, Lebanon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And he answered unto her, not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, she cries after us. She's kind of loud. Can you send her away? She's embarrassing us. She's hurting our image. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of house of Israel. Speaking of the Jews, then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and 
cast it before the dogs. She said, truth, Lord, if the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Wow. What a response. You know what? The Lord Jesus Christ was actually, he did not have inclusive speech here. He was guilty. We should lock him up. That speech is just too hard. It's too hard for the disobedient. But it's okay for the humble. And Jesus knew this, and maybe that's what he was going to do, is just try here a little bit. Look at the response. Verse 28, And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. He answered her prayer. He said, I'm not a Jew, but I'm going to go to Jesus. I'm not really that clean of a person, but I'm going to go to Jesus. I'm really not educated. I really don't have the faith like all those church people do, but I'm going to go to Jesus Christ because I know he'll answer my prayer and he'll answer your prayer. He is a God that wants you to go to him and he wants your importunity. He wants you to keep asking and keep asking and keep asking. And he will provide because of his grace. Turn with me if you go to Luke 18. Go back to Luke 11. That's where we were. And then just go a few pages over to Luke 18. Look at verse number 1. Verse number 1 of Luke 18 says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not faint. There's a lot in that sentence. The word ought, circle it. Do you know what you should do? You should pray. (laughs) The Christian ought to pray. Jesus goes on, he was talking here again, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not quit. Don't ever stop praying. Continue on in your prayers. Just say, well, they're not being answered. You just wait. God is working everything through. He's planning it because there's a difference between God's will and God's timing. We just got to wait. And he may be willing, but he's not, it's not time yet. And so if we, if we get so impatient with God, you're going to be impatient with other people. And what is impatience? doesn't help anybody. We saw this morning in Sunday school. Look at verse 2. Saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. So this judge is saying, you know what, if I don't take care of this lady, she's going to really wear me out. She's going to drag me down. Do you have people that drag you down at times? And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes... He shall find faith on the, shall he find faith on the earth? And he spake this parable unto, 
unto certain which trusted in themselves. Now here he's going to shift gears. And he's going, to, he's going to actually show you that a lot of times we trust in our good works. We trust that God, you know, God's going to, going to bless us because I've been so, so good to him and I've been good to other people. God's certainly going to hear my prayer. He's going to provide for me because I'm special. God is not a respecter of person, dear friend. And just because you pay your taxes and you do what's right and you smile at people and so on doesn't mean God's going to answer your prayers. But look what it says. And he spake this parable on certain which trusted in themselves. There's people that trust in themselves. That they were righteous and despised others. And that's what happens. When you continue to judge people, judgment of others leads to despising others. And two men went up into the temple to pray. And one Pharisee and the other publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed with, with, thus with himself. Again, they were praying with themselves. It's like he had nobody to pray with. He's, even just, he's really not speaking to God. He's, he's actually speaking to himself. And he says, God, I thank thee, because my God is self, basically, that I'm not as other men who are extortioners and unjust and adulterers and even this publican. He's pointing to him. I fast twice a week and give tithe for all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up as much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, is saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Dear friend, if I can tell you something that will help you this morning in the area of prayer, is we need to get on our knees and pray to God earnestly. Honestly, really, when was the last time you were on your knees? When was the last time you got down and you said, oh, God, I don't have the ability to do what you call me to do. I, I can't face this issue, Lord. I don't know what to do. I need your help. Oh, God, please come. And before you stand up, he may have already helped you. But you might get up, you know, and you look around and say, well, it's not happening now, but it's going to happen because that's how our hearts are. We, don't, we can't do this on our We can't say that it's because of my goodness in any area of our lives. We must be like the man who got down, smote his chest, and said, have mercy upon me, and God will hear our prayers. I think it's important for us to understand that if we're not careful, we'll have hazy prayers, crazy prayers, and lazy prayers. It's important, I really believe, for us always to pray. Take it to the Lord. Even when you get to the place where perhaps some things don't happen. You pray like that and there's sickness that's not been removed. A life that's not spared. The burden is not lightened. The family member still out there. Friend and not reconciled cause that you have is not blessed. A wrong is not made right. The faithful has not been delivered. These cause sorrow and difficulties. How long shall I continue to pray? I think we need to continue to pray because that's being obedient to what God told us to do. God sometimes delays in our prayers. Why does he delay? I think so that we'll self-examine and say, God, maybe the reason you're not answering my prayer is because of me. Maybe there's some unconfessed sin. You're regarding in your heart 
that I'm regarding in my heart that that's why the prayer is not being answered. Sometimes God doesn't answer immediately. But I think it's important for us to self-examine our motives to say, why am I asking for this? Is it really for myself? Or is it for the other person? Sometimes we pray for our children because you don't want to get embarrassed. Lord, help you. Lord, help you. And help me. Sometimes God doesn't answer the prayer immediately or we may become really, if God answered our prayer right immediately every single time, we'd become so cocky and so proud. We'd be overconfident. Someone wrote this. His help is always sure. His methods seldom guessed. Delay will make our pleasure pure. Surprise will give it zest. The next time you pray, would you do this? Would you pray passionately? And would you persevere in your practice to continue to pray? I remember years ago, there was a lady in our church. She had a husband that wasn't saved. Every meeting we had through my teenage years at her church there, she would raise her hand on Wednesday night, pray for my husband, pray for my husband, pray for my husband, pray for my husband, pray for my husband. I moved away about maybe five years after I moved away. I heard her husband got saved. I went to visit that church. And right in front of me was an old Navy veteran with a woman tattoo on his arm in the pew with his arm around his wife. God answered her prayer. Herb's in glory right now. He's in heaven. He passed away this last year. What a blessing to know that he trusted Jesus Christ. And God answered Charlotte's prayer. And he'll answer your prayer. Just stay at it. Stay consistent. What is my objective? What is my motive when I pray? One last page, place. Look at the book of Jude. It's the last book before you get to Revelation. What Jude does is he takes a section and he describes the fake ones. Then he turns to the right ones. And he says to this, he says this in verse 19, These be they who separate themselves. Talking about the worldly now. Sorry, verse number 19 is talking about the worldly. He's talking about the fakes. And he says this, These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. But, however, because you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit is not praying in tongues. Praying in the Holy Spirit is having a specific prayer 
with sound mind that will pray consistently according to the will of God. That God will answer your prayer. Confessing your sin first. The priest used to put blood on their finger and their toes. And they would take the blood and apply it to themselves first before they went in to the Holy of Holies. Remember this, before you come into praying for somebody else, be obedient to God on your part first. Then pray in the Spirit, and God will answer your prayer. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here this morning, and you haven't even taken the first step, and that's to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you've been all alone the last couple of weeks at times, and you sense God working in your heart. You sense his spirit drawing you. You're not quite sure what that's all about. Well, God loves you. And what he's doing is he's drawing you to the place where you will trust him to receive his son and his sacrifice for your salvation. And maybe this morning there's somebody here that would say, Pastor, that's me. I've never opened my heart. I've said some prayers, but I've never opened my heart and let Jesus in. And maybe today you'd say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I've never done that, but I need to open my heart now and receive Christ. I want to be saved. Is there anyone like that this morning? Lift up your hand real quick. I'll pray for you. I won't point you out, but I'll pray for you. Is there anyone? Say, Pastor, please pray for me. Then, dear friend, this message was for you, dear Christian. How's your prayer life? Lord, teach us to pray. All right. Here's how you do it. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, would you just stand to your feet? No one looking around this morning. If you need to come, this is an old-fashioned altar. If you need to come, it's for you. I'm going to pray, and as soon as I'm done, the invitation will begin. If you need to come, you come. Father, I pray that you'd work in the hearts of these dear people, Father, and bless the invitation in Jesus' name.